Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Hey, learn more about the program, podcast, and our thank you gift, the book Tactics, when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and part three of his teaching in the first seven verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, called Now Concerning Spiritual Gifts. Some of us who become Christians say, man, I was a good soldier of Satan. Now I'm going to be a better soldier for Christ. Amen. Paul using an image, and here's how it happened. In these ancient cities, a very common occurrence was a festival where people would walk down a sacred way as pagans. They would walk down this sacred path, and they would go to a temple of an idol, and they would basically give their allegiance to the idol. And it, was, it seemed like a very common occurrence in the ancient world that you might be somewhere working or having lunch and all of a sudden a procession would come by. And the procession was a pagan procession. In fact, the Christians started calling them the devil's procession. And these people would be walking down this sacred path, and some of us have seen it in other religions where people during certain times of the year, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll crawl on their hands and knees or leave an offering for some statue or idol. It's something like that. And it was a common occurrence in the city. And Paul says, some of you, you used to do that. You used to be part of these pagan processions, and you'd walk down these sacred ways, and you'd try to appease these false gods and goddesses. That's not your life anymore. Now you're to be led by the Spirit. You don't walk that way anymore. You don't walk to the dumb idols who have eyes but cannot see, hands but they cannot feel, nose but they cannot smell. You got it. Psalm 115, Paul said, that's what you used to do. Now you're led by the living God. Now you're alive in the Spirit. Now you need to let Him lead you. And all believers have the Spirit. None is superior to another in the sense of spiritual gifts. So now you need to be led by the Spirit. How would the Spirit lead you? Not into pride. Not into looking down on other believers, but to love. Therefore, I make known to you, verse 3, that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you had a dozen commentaries and you read them on 1 Corinthians, here's what many evangelical commentators believe is happening as they try to put together the backdrop in Corinth. In Corinth, they had what was called the mystery religions, and they had temples to Dionysius and uh, Aphrodite, and they had um, just a lot of different gods and goddesses. Asclepius was the god of healing, and Dionysius was the god of wine. People would go into his temple, they would get intoxicated. We saw people getting drunk in chapter 11, that is corrected. They would go in there, and they would, they would get drunk on wine, and they would go into this temple and gorge on raw meat. Just sounds weird, but this is what they would do. And they believed that the wine and getting intoxicated brought them in touch with the god or goddess, the wine god, let's say. And some of them went into what's called an ecstatic utterance. They would start losing control. And they would start giving off words. Sometimes you could make sense of the words. Sometimes you could not. And so many scholars believe that to try to reconstruct the picture, apparently some of the Corinthians in the pagan mystery religions who, were, who used to do this were in Christian worship, saying they had the gift of tongues, went into some sort of uncontrolled utterance, 
and started to say that Jesus is accursed. Now, that is an interesting thought, but it seems to me to be a little far-fetched. That Christians would be in worship and be saying, Jesus is accursed. Jesus is accursed. Now, if you've been around the Christian church for a while, we've seen some weird things happen in the church. We've seen some movements where people are flopping around like fish. And I've, seen, I've heard some recordings where people are barking like dogs and claiming it's the Holy Spirit. Or some, some recordings I've heard it even sounded like a haunted house. It's the Holy Spirit. Well, I, I'm sorry. I'm not sure that that's the Spirit of God, okay? People would come out of the baptistry and they're flopping around doing that, you know, dance thing. And, oh, it's the Spirit. Look, I'm not sure that that's the Holy Spirit. See, I don't think the Holy Spirit is ever going to show something that's chaos and out of order and even undiscernible, as we'll see in chapter 14. So some believe that that's what was happening But here's another thought. Some people apparently connected with the church were saying, see the word accursed in verse three? That's the Greek word anathema. And it is true that when Jesus was on the cross, uh, it says, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. So we could say, well, Jesus was under the curse of sin and death for those moments on the cross as he paid the sin debt of the world. But Jesus isn't on the cross anymore. He's at the right hand of the Father. So it would be wrong, you could say in a past tense, yeah, Jesus was under the wrath of God in my place, but now he's at the right hand of the Father. The cross is over. He's only going to die once. Who in the world would say Jesus is a curse in a Christian worship setting? But where would one possibly say that? Do you know that the guy that wrote this letter may have said that? Because before he was Paul, he was Saul. And in Acts 26, it says that he was trying to get people to blaspheme, and we infer the name of Jesus. He was trying to get people to say, as he gives his own testimony, Jesus is accursed. Do you know that the man that wrote this letter may have said that, that Jesus is anathema, and then changed to Jesus is Lord? And maybe in your past, you said the same thing. Do you know who was probably bent towards saying Jesus is anathema? Jewish people connected to the church. And there's a letter between a uh, church father, I think it was Tertullian, writing back and forth to a rabbi named Trypho. And the rabbi admits to the church father that Jews are blaspheming the name of Jesus in synagogues and saying that he is anathema, that Jesus is anathema. And if you think with me, if you know a little bit about this, that's probably still going on today. Where in certain circles, people say, Jesus, anathema. It's the strongest Greek word Paul could have used. Paul may have said it himself, but if he said it, and he may have, would it have been under the guidance or inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Nope. Did Paul think he was religious when he said it? Yes. 
He thought he was doing service to God by trying to destroy the church. Do you hear what I'm saying, folks? Some people think they're religious, but they are void of the Spirit. In fact, 1 John 2.23 says, if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. As the old commercial used to say, you can't have one without the other. That's a way to remember that if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. People say, I believe in God, but I, I don't believe in Jesus. No, wait a minute. Jesus is part of the triune God. Now, you may not fully understand yet that there's room for working through stuff. But if you say Jesus is anathema, Paul, when he was Saul, would not have been speaking by the Holy Spirit. Amen? No way. Nobody's going to say that against God the Son, except if it's from the flesh or even Satan. Jesus said to the religious leaders in John 8, you're of your father the devil. They were questioning his identity, and there was this whole debate around who Jesus is in John chapter 8. If you're with me, what Paul's simply saying is that if you have the Holy Spirit, and all Christians do, you're going to say, Jesus is Lord. That's even a baptismal formula from the early church. And that's actually the saving confession of all Christians. The moment I genuinely said, Jesus is Lord, I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. What happened to me? What happened to you? I was born again of the Holy Spirit. Now, you remember in John chapter 3, a guy named Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. He says, teacher, rabbi, we know that no one can do the works that you do unless he's from God. We can see that God is with you. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, the teacher of Israel, I tell you the truth, unless one is born again, he will not, remember, see the kingdom of God. He says in verse 5, John 3, unless one is born of water and the spirit, that is, you've got to have a spiritual birth, one will not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is it. If you've got the Spirit, you're going to say Jesus is Lord. Now you say, Pastor Michael, what's Paul's big point here? Simply this. All Christians have the Spirit. All Christians have at least one spiritual gift. There's no elitism here. There's none of that. We're all one. If you have the Spirit, then you're going to say Jesus is Lord. You would not say Jesus is accursed. Someone can make a false confession saying, Lord, Lord, and not know Jesus. But let's just assume here a positive, a, a genuine, authentic confession means you have the Spirit. The, when you say Jesus is Lord, you're born again of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit lives in you. You're regenerated, sealed with the Holy Spirit. If you've done that, you're born again. You may have felt something. You may not have, but you're born again. In 1995, we moved into our neighborhood, and uh, they had the the uh, sign there, the, the little notch where the real estate sign goes. We bought the house. It was November of that year. And so we took the real estate, real estate sign went out and I was mentoring a young man at this time and we built a huge wooden cross and put it in the little notch. And I'm like, oh, it's good. Christmas time's coming. Let, let's make a statement right away in the neighborhood. So a little man, old man, he was the next door neighbor up one house from us, came walking by. He's like, welcome to the neighborhood. And he saw this huge cross and he goes, you're not one of those born againers, are you? And I said, yes, sir, I am. I said, sir, there's no other kind of Christian than a born again Christian. I beg to differ, young man, he said. I read the Greek New Testament. I read Greek. And I said, well, if you read Greek, then read the Greek of John 3, 3 and John 3, 5. You must be born again. 
Well, all of a sudden, me and the old man squared off. He dropped his cane. Spit began to fly. It was, we were going at it. Let me tell you something, old man. <laughs> hey, whippersnapper, he said. The dog went into his doghouse. Family walked inside. And for 45 minutes, we went at it, me and the old guy. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. My plans were Shane Lance would like to invite you to a night of worship at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. You know, it is so important for us as individual believers, as we are individually seeking Christ, to have times where we can come together to see the name of Jesus Christ exalted and lifted high. With a personal testimony. What a great way to just spark a fire in somebody's life again, to show them the, the power that there is in the name of Jesus, the things that God can do, and the way He can change our life. Anybody is welcome, and maybe you have that friend that you've been trying to get back into church, and they've been telling you, oh yeah, you know, I want to get back to church, but I've had work, or I've had this, or I've had that. This is a great event to invite that friend to to get them back surrounded with other believers. A night of worship at Living Truth Christian Fellowship this Sunday night at 6 p.m. Visit walkintruth.com for more information or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app. Oh, cry out, shout out your name for I know that I'm not forsaken. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Our mission here at Walk in Truth is to equip you with the Word of God and to give you the tools to express your Christian faith. But how do you initiate conversations effortlessly? Walk in Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to offer you the 10th anniversary edition of Tactics, a game plan for discussing your Christian convictions by Greg Kokel. This is how to navigate a conversation to build a bridge from a conversation to get to spiritual truths and to get to the gospel. We are offering the book Tactics as a thank you when you give a donation of $20 or more to Walk in Truth. Visit walkintruth.com, click the donate button, or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or 844-48-TRUTH. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lenz, right here on Walk in Truth. And I said, well, if you read Greek, then read the Greek of John 3, 3 and John 3, 5. You must be born again. Well, all of a sudden, me and the old man squared off. He dropped his cane. Spit began to fly. It was, we were going at it. Let me tell you something, old man. <laughs> hey, whippersnapper, he said. The dog went into his doghouse. Family walked inside. And for 45 minutes, we went at it. Me and the old guy, right? He tells me, I live by the Sermon on the Mount. And I said, no, you don't, sir. <laughs> Nobody lives by the Sermon on the Mount, right? And so we went back and forth. And he was telling me, it, there's a there's normal there's Christians and then there's the born againers. The born againers have that multicolored wig at the football game. <laughs> repent, John three three. Repent. Now, here's the truth of the matter. It may not be as out there as some people think, 
But the truth is, you've got to be born again from above. You've got to have a new birth. And when you have the new birth, you get the Holy Spirit. You begin to learn how to walk by the Spirit. Galatians 4, 6 says, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You see, the Holy Spirit will be working around a confession made to God. Now, I'm not going to get into the... If for those of you who know about these debates, Calvinism and Arminianism and how much of the, it is the spirit and how much it, it is of man, does he have some part, free will? What, how's the pie break down? Here's the point. When someone says Jesus is Lord genuinely, the Holy Spirit is right there working. And the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of every Christian. That's the point. All Christians are pneumaticas. They're all spiritual because nobody can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. So stop with the elitism. Verse 4 will move quickly. Now, there are varieties of gifts. See the word gifts there? That's charisma. It's the word for grace, charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, with an M-A ending on the end. Now, there are various charismas where we get the idea of charismatic. There are varieties of charismas or grace gifts, but the same what? The same pneuma. The same spirit, same source. Yes, there's a variety of gifts we all have, but the one source is God. These are varieties, are their allotments, distributions, apportionments that come from God. We get various charismas that are a mark of grace. Verse 5. There are varieties of ministries. Many of you are involved in some form of ministry, children's ministry, men's, women's. Uh, you do some other type of ministry, missions, etc., but maybe, just maybe, God is asking you to start a ministry. Maybe it doesn't need to be one of the traditional ministries. What's God been putting on your heart? What is your ministry? There's a variety of them, but the same Lord. That's the Greek word kurios, uh, very often used of Jesus himself. And then verse 6, there are varieties of effects. The word for effects means that which energizes, but the same God. There's the word theos who works all things in all persons. Can you see, Bible students, overtones of the Trinity? In verse 4, you have the Spirit. In verse 5, you have the Lord. In verse 6, you have God. You have pneuma, kurios, and theos. That is, the triune God rejoices to give gifts to his people. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Jesus, getting ready to go to heaven, says, I will give you another helper. God is a giver, and he gives gifts that keep on giving. Amen? Even when I'm tired, poured out, sick and tired, whatever it may be, he keeps pouring out grace. And he says, get in the game, get engaged, and I'll give you what you need. God delights to bless his people. And so fan the gift into flame. Final verse. But to each one, there's no exception. You are included here. But to each one, to each Christian, is given the manifestation of the Spirit, of the pneuma, the Holy Spirit. Why does he give the manifestations? Therefore, the common good. Manifestation is a word that means to make known, to make clear, to make evident to the church and to the world. See, the manifestations are given that we might manifest God in our community, right? So that we might show who he is. 
And they're given for what? The common good, sumpheron in Greek means literally to bring us together so that we can bear together or bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Why does God give spiritual gifts? So that we'll be healthy, so that we'll be better, so that we'll manifest who he is to the church and the world, and so that we'll bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Do you know that the word sumphero, meaning to bring us together, the gifts that we'll deal with next week have divided the church. Would you agree? Gift of tongues, prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. What some scholars call the sign gifts or what seem to be the more supernatural gifts. This has divided the church. Denominational lines, uh, practices in the church. It's pushed people away. What was supposed to bring us together, are you ready, has torn us apart as the devil has gotten a foothold in the church for many of the same reasons. Elitism, looking down on other people. Oh, you guys don't have these gifts? Well, then you're not spirit-filled. We're spirit-filled over here, down the street. You're not spirit-filled. And class distinctions and elitism happens. And the Lord of the church, what do you think he thinks of it? When he prayed that we would be one in John 17, what do you think he thinks of it? When we divide along these lines, because, often because of abuse or pride. Charles Stanley says, when people serve within the context of their gifts, they seem to do it effortlessly. There is little stress and they don't tire easily, close quote. Here's just a few things, a few thoughts. What do you love? What are you good at? When you do something and other people say, man, you're good at that. That's probably your spiritual gift. When you thrive in something, when you enjoy doing it, when it seems like there's a blessing attached to that effort, when someone else tells you, man, you're good at that. Wow, look at how you do that so well. That's in all likelihood your spiritual gift. And so you, you offer yourself and you say, God, show me my gifts and help me engage them. Would you bow with me, Father, as we wrap up this message, we bow before your holy throne. Thank you that you are the good gift giver. You've asked us to take our gifts and give them away, to maybe we could say re-gift them to others uh, in the best sense of that word, to get things from our God and give them away and keep giving. You said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And Lord, sometimes we, we, we need some help figuring out what it is that we're called to do, how you've gifted us. But once we do, help us not neglect our spiritual gift. Let us thrive in being a, an essential, effective part of the body that we might mature and glorify the one who's the head of the church, Christ. You're listening to Now Concerning Spiritual Gifts, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. Hey, if you're a monthly partner with Walk in Truth, then we'll be sending you Greg Kokel's book, Tactics, Building a Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions. If you've been considering partnering with us, please visit walkintruth.com and click the donate button. Anyone who gives $20 or more or becomes a monthly partner of $10 or more will receive the Tactics book as a thank you. Learn more when you click the donate button on walkintruth.com. And thanks for your donation. Now, here's Pastor Michael. It's important to think about spiritual gifts 
as a provision from our God to be successful in the Christian life. You know, we talk about the armor of God, and the armor of God is God's provision for protection against temptation. And the spiritual gifts that God gives through the gracious Holy Spirit, his gracious spirit, is for our success in ministry, in ministering to the body of Christ and extending the love of Christ to those who don't know him. So a good way to think about spiritual gifts or spiritual things in 1 Corinthians 12 is, Lord, thank you for the provision of spiritual gifts and power from your Holy Spirit. Every day, help me put on the armor and help me lean into those gifts you've given. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me. And that's the beauty of the Christian life, God's favor and provision in your life regarding spiritual gifts. Well, tomorrow on Walk in Truth, we're going to be getting into some of the more controversial spiritual gifts or spiritual manifestations like word of wisdom, word of knowledge, the gift of tongues. So stay tuned for that tomorrow on Walk in Truth. Hey, I'd like to invite you to our night of worship on Sunday, February 16th at 7 p.m. at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. Hey, the address is 1009 Arsenal Way. Think of the armor of God in Corona, right off the 91 and the 15 freeways. Uh, If you know Lincoln Avenue and the 91, that's where we're at. You can download the Living Truth app in your app store for all the events. You can catch up on past teachings, see Sunday morning sermons and videos and and the like. There's much to access there for your own personal spiritual growth. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. We'll catch you next time. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow for Now Concerning Spiritual Gifts, Part 4. Pastor Michael's teaching in verses 8 through 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.